Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What up, Space Fam? Goes in here from Anime Upper to discuss the final chapter of Attack on Titan. The day has finally come, and there is so much to say about this controversial ending, so make sure to stay tuned for this one. If you do enjoy videos like this one and want to keep them coming, the best thing you could do is smash that like button to let me know. If you haven't, be sure to subscribe, and this is crucial. Hit that notification bell and select all, or you will miss future videos, and we will definitely be making more Attack on Titan videos while you wait for the next videos to drop feel free to check out our colossal attack on titan playlist which includes videos about all titan shifters ackermans and much more link to that is in the description now without further ado let's jump into it spoilers and all so the chapter starts as we guessed with aaron's side of things a lot of predictions came true and even though the very interesting time loop theory didn't materialize other theories we talked about on this channel did manifest and we'll get into all of that I just want to say I don't think anybody should be too surprised by this ending, but I am getting ahead of myself. So Kid, Armin, and Eren are talking in what appears to be the world of paths. After all, we did see Eren in his child form in this world many times. Here, Eren has transported them back to their childhoods for this conversation with their familiar hometown surroundings. We get right into it with Armin saying he understands Eren had to do it because he saw the future, but why did he beat him up so bad. He's referring to the scene where he told Mikasa he always hated her and beat up Armin. I mentioned that this could not have been Eren's true feelings at the time, and here nobody should be surprised that Eren is admitting they weren't. Eren was trying to push them all away, and he got carried away in the world of events. Eren reveals that he wasn't a cold calculating mastermind about it, but that he was wondering what he was doing all the while. We're told this is the last chapter, and it's called Moving Towards That Tree on the Hill. More on the title later. Armin suggests that Eren should have this conversation with Mikasa, and he agrees while they continue their bro talk. And here Armin lays it all out. What we've been talking about forever, the Lelouch plan. Eren pushed them away so that he could set them up as heroes that saved humanity from destruction. He became the big bad guy, the devil of the earth, so that his friends could stop him and the world would stop viewing all Eldians on the island as their enemies. Lelouch from Code Geass did a similar thing, but Eren definitely took a way more extreme approach where he wiped out 80% of humanity. Eren didn't just plan for people to unite against him though. By wiping out 80% of humanity, he also ensured that the rest of humanity couldn't take revenge on the island even if they wanted to anytime soon. Remember, he never said he wanted what's best for the majority or for the entire world. Eren always prioritized his friends and the inhabitants of the island, which is what made this plan more preferable in his eyes than his people waiting to be wiped out as Carl Fritz intended or being wiped out more gradually through Zeke's euthanization plan. And his plan does give the remaining island Eldians the best chance for long, happy lives, which was his main goal. Armin, though, is 
is shocked to hear that 80% of humanity will be wiped out, which is understandable. He wonders if Aaron really had to go that far and asks if it was all for their sake. Aaron clearly is not worried about justifying himself and invites Armin to come with him as he leads him to see lava, aka the liquid fire they dreamed about seeing. I really like this part, it's good for closure that these two can talk and even see the places they dreamed of seeing together before Aaron has to go. However, Armin does seem to drop the subject of whether erasing 80% of the population was necessary very quickly. Perhaps he knows that there's no point to argue with Aaron here, and he might even fear that it would cut this final conversation short. But since Armin was willing to attack and even kill Eldian comrades, who viewed him as a friend, in order to help save the world that wanted the Eldians dead, I expected more resistance on this point. I gotta admit, I personally have trouble understanding Armin's character, but the point is here, he continues to follow Aaron's lead as he talks about Emir. 2000 years ago, Emir continued to submit to King Fritz, leading to the Titan powers that they still see today. Even after getting the godlike power of the Titans, she continued to submit to an enemy that burned down her home, killed her father, and tore out her tongue. Not to mention, had her hunted down with arrows until she stumbled upon the Titan power. Aaron says she submitted to him because she was in love with him. That might just be the craziest twist in this chapter. She was not a slave to fear, but a slave to love, and that love led her to follow his commands. Even though it is surprising, it's not impossible. It wouldn't be the first time someone fell in love with a cruel human, and spending time together and having kids that they jointly raised together probably helped her develop feelings for her past enemy. It's also probable that Fritz wasn't always as cruel to her throughout their marriage as he was initially. So Emir has been slaving away in the world of paths, not because she internalized a slave mentality, as I predicted, but because she loved King Fritz and wanted to carry out his wish, which was to ensure that their people will survive and multiply with the help of Titan powers. Despite this, Eren could feel that Emir was in pain and wished for freedom. She no longer wanted to be a slave to her love, she no longer wanted to keep submitting to the king's will. She waited for 2,000 years, hoping that someone would free her from the pain of her love, and Aaron tells us that person was not him, but Mikasa. Now we did see Emir smiling when Mikasa killed Eren, so now we have a better sense of why she did. Mikasa arguably proved that you can love someone without being a slave to that love, by killing the person that she did in fact love, someone she actually wanted to protect all her life. Ironically though, Mikasa's actions did more or less go according to Eren's plan, even if the plan involved killing him. But it is possible that from this, Emir realized that even though she loved Fritz, she didn't have to continue being his slave and obeying his orders. She could love him and resist his wishes at the same time. Although at this point it should be noted, Eren doesn't know yet what exactly it is that Mikasa will do, which will free Emir from the pain of her love. Eren says, and I quote, The only thing I knew for sure was the result of Mikasa's choice. All of it was to arrive at that result. That's why I moved forward. It ironically seems like Eren, the guy always talking about the importance of freedom, wasn't that free. He tells Armin that his thoughts have become messed up, and the Founder's power has made it so there's no past or future, it all exists at once. And as a result, he had to do what he did. Keywords, 
had to. This suggests that we aren't just dealing with Aaron's free will here. He said that when the Smiling Titan was approaching Bertolt, Bertolt wasn't supposed to die, so he let it go and implies he led it towards his mother. In my view, this shouldn't necessarily be read as Aaron of his own free will getting his mother killed. It's as if after merging with the Founding Titan, he's become this godlike being that must ensure an inevitable result, the result that leads to the end of the path he's on. This moment though, as with many moments in this chapter is open for interpretation though, so let me know how you read it in the comments. Finally, we get to that moment of truth and Armin asks what Eren thinks about Mikasa. Armin punches Eren one more time for what he said to her. It's funny how much stronger the reaction is here compared to the reaction when he heard 80% of humanity could be wiped out. He clearly seems to get more emotional over his friends and yet would kill certain friends in order to try to save the rest of humanity as he and Connie did when they were trying to escape from Parody Island. Humans are full of contradictions, I get that. But again, Armin seems too contradictory to the point where I can't quite wrap my head around his character. There is such a bro talk here though. We got Armin suggesting that Mikasa should forget about Eren after his awful behavior and find someone else. And Eren says, surprisingly, no, he wouldn't want that. And I'm glad here we clearly get Eren reveal his love for Mikasa, where he says he wants her to only have feelings for him even after he dies, he wants her to hold him in her heart for a long time. And I enjoy this because we needed to see this side of Eren. He was so closed off from everyone, including us, during the final season that it's refreshing to see him open up like this. Most of us knew that when he asked Mikasa in the flashback what he meant to her, he was fishing for a more romantic answer than family, and now it's confirmed. As someone who shipped these two from day one, I am happy with this result. And this may seem different to how Eren usually acts, but keep in mind, here he's just confiding to his best friend. I mean, I've definitely had bro talks like this growing up, and yeah, you say some embarrassing stuff sometimes you would never say to anyone else. This just proves to me that Eren is human, like the rest of us, even if Armin tells him that he didn't know Eren could say something so awkward so blatantly. Obviously, this is because it's just a bro talk, and he tells Armin not to say anything about this to Mikasa because he does want her to be happy, but he also can't deny there's a part of him that would hate to imagine her with anyone else. Just like in all of us, Eren has conflicting desires. He also admits that he doesn't want to die and that he wants to be with Mikasa and all of them. Sure, this talk makes him seem less badass, and he definitely doesn't come off as cool as Lelouch did during the finale of Code Geass, but I think this is related and refreshing after he's been closed off for so long. Armin still wants to save his friend, despite all the death and destruction he has and will cause. Armin asks him if there's another way, but Eren says there isn't. He's killed a bunch of people who didn't want to die, and he won't be forgiven for this. Then Eren says, even if he wasn't aware how this would end with them stopping him, he still would have reduced everything in this world to dust. He wanted to turn the earth into this brand new land. He wanted to do this at any cost. Clearly these aren't the words of a free man in my view, but more so seems like it may be the will to keep moving forward in the attack titan no matter what or something like that. Otherwise, it wouldn't really make sense for a human to decide to flatten the earth at all costs, even though he doesn't know why. Eren doesn't seem free to choose his own path here, just like when he sent the Smiling Titan to his mother. 
we get the panel that was originally supposed to be the final one and it's Grisha who was holding Aaron saying to him he's free. And I gotta admit, since it was gonna be the final panel and all, I thought that the you are free moment would be more meaningful. But I suppose Isayama didn't want to be overly optimistic with the finale. Even if Grisha said it, Aaron was not free in many ways as we've seen. He spoke of having to follow a path to an inevitable destiny, he spoke of having to level the world and leave every surface a blank plane without knowing why, he had to deal with titans and the hatred of the world that wanted to kill his people, rather than being a satisfying you are free moment that's hopeful about the next generation as many of us expected it to be, it comes off as a deeply ironic statement. Aaron goes on to explain that he'll erase Armin's memories and the next time they meet they'll be trying to kill each other. But he says that Armin will remember this conversation again when it all ends. And Armin thanks Aaron for turning himself into a mass murderer for their sakes. Armin promises not to let this error go to waste. And Aaron says that he knows that Armin will be able to go beyond the walls and he tells Armin that he's the one who will save humanity. It's interesting that even though Armin is against violence for the most part, he still accepts his friend and the fact that he will wipe out 80% of the population. And it must feel pretty good for Aaron to know after so much loneliness and carrying the burden on his own for so long that his friend still accepted and loved him. We then jump back to the present and Armin has just regained those memories and as I predicted, Titan powers have ceased to exist without the centipede creature. I will say that this ending does feel rushed and one of the things that I find weird is that the creature just disappeared off screen without an explanation. We are to believe that without Aaron, the current founder body, the creature cannot go on living. But it isn't clear why, since this creature did live on its own before joining with Emir, it is also possible that Emir, having seen what Mikasa did, decided to put a stop to the world of the paths, and that ended the centipede creature as well. But it's not a super satisfying conclusion to this final battle, since we are left to connect too many dots by ourselves in this chapter, or at least that's my view. Armin sees Mikasa approaching with the Aaron head, and together they hug it, and Armin cries. Mikasa asks Armin if his memories have returned too, which presents another weird unanswered moment. As an Ackerman, I assumed that her memories wouldn't be able to be suppressed or altered by Eren. After all, we were told that the 145th King couldn't erase the memories of the Ackerman clan or the Asian clan, and Mikasa is from both. So I'm honestly not sure what happened here. Let me know if I'm missing something or if you guys have an explanation for this. I also am not satisfied with the knowledge we have of the Ackermans. I wanted more. If the headaches weren't Mikasa's true self resisting her Ackerman instincts, what were they about? We know that Eren was lying and that even Zeke told him Mikasa was not a slave to her Ackerman genes, so I would have liked some other significance to be attributed to the headaches. But moving on, Armin reaffirms that Mikasa's choice, probably to finish Eren off, wiped out the power of the Titans from this world. Again, this wasn't a surprise to me, I completely expected Titan powers to cease to exist and for Amir's curse to be lifted too. I definitely expected Gabby and Falco to get their happy-ish ending, and it makes sense that Reiner, the plot-armored Titan, is still around after wanting and even trying to die for so long. I totally expected Isayama to leave this guy who was always chasing death alive. Then it turns out that Eren spoke with Jean, Reiner, Connie, and even Annie. They all seem to have a positive view of him in the end and cry for him. Annie even calls him a reckless idiot, saying they never asked for his help. 
it goes to show that even though they were fighting against him a little while ago, they get where he's coming from and appreciate what he did for them. It goes to reaffirm the message of the story that there is no clearly right or clearly wrong side. What Aaron did was clearly messed up, but can anyone say that the 145th king's decision for his people to die without fighting wasn't messed up? The thing is, all of their plans had flaws, and they know that, which is why they can forgive Aaron despite how insane his actions were. We finally get the moment where Annie and her father hug, a moment which was interrupted by them turning into titans in the last chapter. I'm glad she got that moment after so long, and I'm still hoping that she ends up with Armin. Levi says goodbye to the Survey Corps, and I feel like this moment represents these guys being freed from the world of the paths for good, since while Emir and the centipede creature were alive, no subject of Emir truly died, since they could be recalled again, as we saw with Grisha, Tom, and the others, when they came back to help during the final Titan battle. Levi tells them that this is how it ends, the goal they dedicated their hearts to, and it's a nice moment. This isn't a perfect ending for the Eldians, but they manage to free themselves from the curse of the Titans, and the chance of their survival is higher than ever now, so it's really not a bad situation for the remaining Eldians compared to how it could have been. Just as he said he would, Aaron really did help the island of Paradis and its people. Connie and Jean also see Sasha smiling too, and you gotta love that smile. These moments do give us a nice sense of closure for these characters we've lost over the course of the story. I really do enjoy the extreme hug that Gabby and Falco partake in. Reiner's mother is glad he doesn't have the power of the armored titan anymore, and hugs him, saying she just needs him by her side. It's a happy ending for her because not only did she survive with her son, but he no longer has to worry about Amir's curse so she no longer has to feel quite as horrible about trading her son's life in order to become an honorary Marlan. And she has a second chance to make things right too, which must mean the world for her. And on the topic of atoning or making things right for people like Reiner and Annie and so on, I don't really think Isayama would make the argument they completely atone for their actions, and I don't think that's the point. They all participated in wars and killed many people, all they can do now is carry that burden and try to do the best they can moving forward. Clearly, Isayama is not interested in giving us a non-problematic feel-good ending here. Mikasa takes Eren's head to bury it where Eren always dozed off, to that tree on the hill where the story began. And then we get the allied soldiers pointing rifles at the Eldians, who were titans just a minute ago. After all that talk about overcoming their differences in a peaceful world if they escaped Eren's wrath, you still have these guys pointing guns, showing that it's not that simple. And honestly, I appreciate the fact that there wasn't just complete unquestioned world peace after Eren's attack, because that would be unrealistic. As Pixis and Aaron talked about, as long as there is more than one human alive, there will be conflict. There would be internal conflict even if Aaron did wipe out everyone beyond the island. We've already seen that over the course of the story. But back to this conversation and Mueller is asking them to prove they're not titans and the obvious question is, how? But he's afraid and not thinking clearly since these people before them were just man-eating titans seconds ago. It's explained to them that Aaron is dead and the power of the titans vanished. Now they are just people like anyone else. This isn't too convincing and it looks like these guys are about to go to war again. But Armin steps in, the hero of humanity. He points out that even though guns are pointed at them, they're powerless and not transforming, so clearly they're humans. Finally, Mueller calms down a bit and then Armin takes credit for killing Eren, which is nice because I'm sure Mikasa wouldn't want the spotlight. 
Did they succumb to the Takno Jutsu too soon? Maybe, but after all that, we'll never make the same mistake again talk while Eren was attacking. I find this easier to believe, especially since they can't argue with the fact that Eren is gone and there are no Titans in sight. We then get a three year time skip of not a perfect world, but a more hopeful world for the Eldians. Historia has a smile on her face as she lives with her daughter and the farmer. I'm glad to see that even though her hand was forced to have a kid sooner, she did find happiness in the marriage and family. The rest of the world is not necessarily doing as great as Historia, as we're told those who survived are tormented by their unhealing scars. Even those who weren't physically injured must have been traumatized when they witnessed the rumbling firsthand. What doesn't help them relax is the fact that Eldia has continued to build their army under the Jaegerists. The island fears retaliation and they keep cheering Eren's words, if we win, we live. If we lose, we die. If you don't fight, we can't win. Fight, fight. End quote. Is this a perfect concluding scenario? Not really, but that's kind of the point. Even though it's not good that they still carry fear and view the others as potential enemies, it's good that they are working on their military. That was always the plan and it will hopefully keep them safe when the rest of the world has recovered. Could it turn out badly if they wage war against the rest of the world? Yes, but that's not guaranteed to happen, especially when you consider Historia as the queen and our main characters have become the allied nation's ambassadors for peace. I enjoyed their conversation as they're heading to Parody Island, how Reiner's still madly in love with Historia, how Reiner tells Jean that his picture will be in a field guide to horses rather than in the history books, and I find it hilarious when Jean says it's a shame that Reiner got a new lease on life. Reiner, the guy who kept searching for death, has made it through that hell. It's not heaven now, but the fact that they can go back to the island after destroying the walls, betraying the island, and killing Eren, the island's hero, shows that this is a way more hopeful future than the previous reality. As Connie points out, Historia also protected Jean's family and Connie's mom, so she'll be able to protect them too. And Armin says the obvious here, conflict will never vanish. I already mentioned that in this video. We gotta accept that and look at this end in relation to the situation before, rather than in relation to total peace. And Armin feels like sharing their story, how they got over their past, will help others become better and perhaps more peaceful as well. That's the power of stories, and I feel like Attack on Titan itself is a story that can make people more tolerant and empathetic towards the other. And I believe that we should trust in the power of stories to make the world a better place, even if it will never be a perfect world. I gotta admit, it is random seeing Gabby and Falco with Levi, but I guess it's another hopeful message about how we don't have to let our past conflict determine our future. Lastly, we get the final scene, Mikasa is at Eren's grave beneath the tree on the hill. She's sad and would like to meet Eren again. Just then, a bird tightens her scarf around her, and she says, as if to the bird, thank you for wrapping this scarf around me Aaron and that is it the end of attack on titan now this ending is open to interpretation whether the bird just reminded her of Aaron or whether the bird is straight up a reincarnation of Aaron and since he's been freed from the world of the paths he was able to reincarnate as the freest of animals that never have to worry about walls. After his death, he is finally free. 
and he did tell Mikasa he'd always be there to wrap that scarf around her, so that's another reason to believe it's Eren, or at least a manifestation of his will in the physical world. I know reincarnation may be out there for some people, but it is much more common in Japan to have it in stories than here, as we saw with Demon Slayer. Again, I feel like it's open-ended enough to satisfy whatever interpretation you want to roll with, and this part I don't have an issue with. I think it's a nice symbolic ending, and the constant focus on bird imagery throughout the story takes on new significance. So overall, what did I think of the last chapter of Attack on Titan? It didn't surprise me for the most part, which is unusual for Attack on Titan since it's blown my mind so many times before. I think endings are really hard, especially with successful stories like this, so I think we should keep that in mind as we judge the story. No matter what ending Isayama chose, some people would have had problems with it. That's 100% the case. This ending didn't blow me away, but I don't think it was bad. It definitely didn't ruin the story for me, and I think the message of the story was respected here. There's no easy solutions, peace will always be a work in progress, and all we can do is try to learn from our past mistakes and be better moving forward. As I said, I did feel the ending was rushed. I wish some stuff was explained better, like the death of the centipede creature, the nature of the Ackermans and their headaches, to what extent was Eren free or not, why Eren was able to erase Mikasa's memories, and so on. Nevertheless, I did like the ships, I liked the Titan curse being lifted as I expected it to be lifted, and I did like Eren's own spin on the Zero Requiem. For the Eldian people, it is undoubtedly a better, more hopeful reality than it was before, and that was Eren's goal in the first place. Let me know your thoughts. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Either way, explain what you liked or hated about it. I would also love to know if you think Eren's decision was an error, and if you preferred any other solution to the problems that the Eldians faced. I would like to thank Isayama for his hard work and for almost 12 years of Attack on Titan. I am very grateful to him and his hard work. And for all of you who shared the Attack on Titan experience with me here on the channel, Attack on Titan was especially significant for this YouTube channel because it was the main series that allowed us to initially become full-time YouTubers. And for that, I'll always be grateful. If you did enjoy this review and want to see more videos like it, make sure to Warhammer smash that like button. If you haven't, be sure to subscribe and this is crucial, hit that notification bell. We've made plenty of Attack on Titan videos and we'll definitely make more, especially since the anime isn't even done yet. And while you wait for the next video to drop, feel free to check out our colossal Attack on Titan playlist that includes videos about the Titan shifters and their powers, the Ackermans and their powers, the Titans rank from weakest to strongest, and much more. Link to that is in the description. And I especially want to thank the Patron Squad on Patreon and here on YouTube who help make videos like this one possible. First and foremost, I want to thank the Patrons of Legend, the ones acknowledged by Lord Twigo himself, Alpha Sigma, Red Haired Raven, and Javier Rojas, and are the one tier patrons, the ones who stand atop all clans, Ingrata, Pate Hefa, Aljatal, Dr. Cortman, The Toasted Chi, Bang, Emperor Otaku, Spidey Life Tanel, Tungsten Tarkus, and Yuno, and our pro hero tier patrons, the one and only Gilgamesh, Steelers, Angel Cruz, Anatoly Kazatsky, Cricket XP, Rathuan De Aura, Very Gucci, Alicia Actor, Bonnie Parks, Hinokami and Water, 
Joanne Garcia, Ted No Ted, Ice Parky 65, Jessica Lafon, Fatboy Games, Deadly Saint, and Soul Rye Slice and Dice. Thank you all so much. If you do enjoy our work, you can support more of it by going over to patreon.com slash anime uproar and becoming a patron today for as little as one dollar. If you do so, you'll get your name featured in future videos alongside these amazing people right here, and you'll even get access to our private patron-only Discord where we talk about the latest chapters, anime, life, and of course, thank memes. So check out patreon.com slash anime link in the description if you're interested. You can also join the YouTube channel by clicking that blue join button next to the subscribe button that you've hopefully already smashed. So yeah, you can support more content that way if you prefer. Whichever way you choose to support us, you can get the same great benefits. Thanks again, and until next time, see ya space cowboys! Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.